the pottery class is divided into two groups. The professor says to group A, at the end of the semester, I want you to make one perfect jar. And to the other group, he's like, make 100 jars. Which one ends up with the better results? 100 jars. Because you learn so much more. Like, it, it feels really personal, especially as an artist, because it's just like, this is my lifeblood out in front of the room. You are rejecting me as a person. But no, like sometimes people just aren't going to like your work or they're not into it at that moment and the timing's not right or whatever. That's okay. Make more work. Make all of the work. And don't pander. I do not believe in pandering. It drives me crazy. I, can, <laughs> I cannot support it. it I cannot me. encourage wow. it. Uh, and I'm not even because it doesn't work, because sometimes it does work and that's even worse. Oh, yeah. That's the worst, because then you get that positive reinforcement of that shit and you keep doing it. podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello, friends. Maestro here, and welcome back to another episode of my favorite podcast. Today's a special episode. Why? Well, you know we're in the summer shorty series, and I have been putting them out on Mondays and Thursdays, and they're all short solo episodes. But in light of recent events on Instagram, I even did an episode last Thursday about this, and they had all the changes, which my friends have been going on for two years. This is not new, but everyone's finally up in arms because, because the Kardashians are up in arms about the fact that static posts aren't being pushed. People are upset. And one of the things I'm seeing is that folks are not creating. They are finding themselves in a place of trying to guess like, well, what do people want? And like video is new and I, I don't want to post this if no one's going to see it. I only want to do it if people are going to see it. What's the point? And they're not creating. And y'all already know that that just breaks my heart. So... I thought, who could I bring on to talk about this? Who's essentially an expert in helping artists and creatives do the thing. So I reached out, slid into the DMs of my good friend, Rachel Strickland, and I asked her, I was like, hey, can I send you a voice note? Because I'm really excited about this and it's just too good for text. And she was like, but of course. And so I was like, would you please come on and talk to my people and do a guest episode, a surprise guest episode on getting out of your own way, creating because it needs to exist and that whole process of what it's like to be an artist. And she was like, fuck yes, let's do this. And then she signed up for a podcast spot like literally the next day. And here we are making it meta. So for those of you that don't know, Rachel is a performing artist. She's an award-winning choreographer. She is, what is the exact phrase here? A development coach to artists and creative entrepreneurs. And honestly, she just helps folks do the goddamn thing. Just get out of their way and do the thing. So without further ado, my good friend, please welcome Rachel Strickland. What's up, homie? I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for that voice note. It totally made my day. I love this. I think this was one of the longest intros I've done, but it's warranted for you. I'm like, I got to set this up because this is a big <laughs> deal, dude. Like I am really excited to have you on and I'm really excited to learn from you to just have you here. I'm really grateful. So thank you. Well, thank you. you. Let's do Appreciate it. You. I will uh, try to be a good host and I'm going to turn it over to you. I mean, you sent the bi uh, biography in because you're amazing, uh, but I'm the way that I usually run this is have you tell us what you want to tell us about you and then I'll bombard you with questions. How does that sound? That sounds amazing. That's exactly what I was hoping would happen. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So your turn. Who are you? Uh, I'm a weirdo is uh, one of my favorite. <laughs> it, uh, it's just true. Um, and I like doing unusual things. Uh, and I like making a living in unusual ways. It's just 
more fun for me. I tried ways that were more common and that didn't really work for me. I, I was unhappy. I was like, there's got to be another way to like do this mm -hmm. life thing. And my, my mom's like, sorry, that's what it's like. I'm like, no, <laughs> I choose to rebel. Uh, and I think that, you know, your one of your messages, your main messages is like, go for your joy, diversify your joy portfolio. And that's so real to me because I find joy to be um, an act of protest almost. Like, yeah. it's a rebellion. Like, no, I'm going to be joyful. And what I like to do in my work when I coach other people is help them identify what it is they want to do, what it is they want to make, identify the roadblocks, not so we can focus on them, but just so you're aware of the landscape that you're working in. And then you can build a map to get to where you want to go. But otherwise, you just get all up in your head. And primarily, I do do this through um, my eight-week mentorship course called The Audacity Project, which is so aptly named, and I love it. I hold it so two to you. three times a year. <laughs> I just, I never get tired of it. I've been doing it five years now. I take around Man. 20 artists at a time and we have group classes and kind of build their promotional materials. And in the course of doing that work, there's so many questions that get answered for a creative uh, that are really difficult to ask yourself. It's just nice to kind of have someone guiding you through the process. Like, what kind of work do you want to be doing? Who do you want to be doing it for? how much? And do you want to be doing this full time or would your life be better if it were a side hustle kind of situation? So that's what I do. For Can I peoples. back you off a second? Yeah. You said that you told your mom, basically, I want to make money in a different way. I want to be happy. And she was like, <laughs> I love you, but also this is how it is. What made you not take no for an answer? I have a stubborn insistence that like, no, I am not <laughs> going to play that game. And I remember when I was in college, I was full-time college. I had an apartment with my roommate from my first year. I was waitressing at O'Charlie's and teaching ballet to children. And it was like, I had every moment planned out weeks in advance. I had every dollar. I knew exactly where it was going to go. And I was miserable. It was the most mm -hmm. unhappy I've ever been in my life. I'm like, there's just got to be a better way. Turns out there was lots of better ways. I mean, not, nothing against like waitressing. I, I was just really yeah. bad at it. I'm a terrible server. Um, much respect for people that are very good at that job. It's hard. <laughs> How do you remember That's it all? Terrible server. I mean, dude, that actually gives me big anxiety when I go to the restaurant and they don't write it down. I'm like, you're not impressing me, sir. You're actually giving me <laughs> aggressive anxiety. I completely. I don't agree. care that you're kneeling down next to me. That doesn't make me feel any better. Please write. <laughs> please write down that I don't want sesame seeds on that. Please write it. Down. Seriously, <laughs> I, it. I have an allergy. You need to write it down. <laughs> write it. Write it down. They just be like, I got it. I'm like, do you have it? There's seven of us here. I don't think you got it. And. <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> I've never had that validated before, so thank you. This is the worst. Like, ah. So bless <laughs> those people who write it down. I mean, amazing for the people that remember it, but it's like it actually doesn't impress me. It just <laughs> gives me anxiety the whole time. Like, ah. So what were some of these ways? Because I want to, in my mind, whenever I bring someone on, I have a story that I kind of want to tell or that I want to hear about, uh, and then like, obviously a main purpose and, and things that I want them to teach about and talk about. But I also like to learn things about the person as we're going, and I feel like, you know, hearing people's backgrounds gives you so much insight into why they do things now and the, the reason that they do the things that they do now. So what were some of those things that you, because you, when I look at your bio, it's like a million things that you've done. What was that journey like? You're like, no, I refuse to accept this status quo. Nothing wrong with it, but it's not for me. What did that journey look like? You said you were waitressing, you were in college, you knew where every dollar was going. Take us forward a little bit. All right. Uh, so the thing that I wanted in college and immediately after, I just wanted to travel with no plan. Uh, I had had a taste of it and it could just consumed me because I did a study abroad program in Ireland and uh, that was only a summer, but I couldn't get enough. And so uh, I, I saved and saved from like my eh, jobs 
that didn't <laughs> light me up. I saved up $2,000, which to me was a fortune. That's a lot. Yeah. And Legit. I bought a one-way plane ticket and I spent the next five months just being a bum and like couch surfing and uh, I would go to a hostel and be like, I need a place to stay, but I'm low on funds. They'd be like, can you wash dishes? I'm like, absolutely. I can wash those dishes. And I, and I was busking. I started busking yeah, in, in okay. England, just like sit in an alleyway with a coffee cup in front of you and sing and the only songs I knew were like Inya and Irish ballads. I'm, I definitely have a type. <laughs> and like Disney songs. <laughs> but like people would give me money. And that worked for a while, for like what? a few months. Model at an art school, you know, $150 a, well, it was Euro, 150 Euro a week. I'm like, whoa, I can yeah, do this forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it felt like wealth. Like, oh. Yeah. There's always a way. Rachel, I'm going to stop you because this ties into this. I mean, all of it ties into what I want to be, you know, the the point of today's episode and what I'm hoping people will walk away with. But busking, let's go back to that for okay. a second. And the audacity you had to, what is what is that thought process of, I hope someone will give me money. I know someone will give me money. I have skill with this. What? What What is any of that? What surrounds it, this? It was very terrifying to me. The I, I'm not a trained singer. I just like sing in the car and in the shower kind of situation. But I was, I was in the UK in Glastonbury, and I looked at my bank account, and I was like, oh, shit. It was not good. And I was not very far into what I hoped was going to be many months of traveling. So I just had a very sober moment. And I went to this alleyway and I had a cup because I just had a coffee and I sat there and I was feeling very sorry for myself. I'm like, all right, what are we going to do? Are we going to go home and get a job? Or are we going to figure out another way? And I was just kind of like in that, you know, sometimes it feels good to feel a little bit sorry for yourself. And that's oh, exactly yeah. what I was doing. So oh, I started yeah. singing this sad song and someone walked by and put a euro in my empty coffee cup. And then it was my second, oh, shit, of the day. <laughs> so I just kept going. There was a, a big echo in the little alleyway, and people had to walk through it to get to these other bits of shops. So primo location. Didn't even realize what was happening. Uh, but yeah, once I was terrified to sing in front of people, but you know, no one threw a shoe at my head. <laughs> so I thought that was successful. <laughs> Then you just, you did this more than one day. Yes. And it's how I lived for a while, maybe two or three months before I got the, like the job modeling at the art school. Rachel, tell me about this. So you went back each day with a plan, with a hope, with the same amount of fear, with less fear, with more confidence. What does that look like? It's fascinating. It got easier, but it was always, it's always scary to open your mouth and begin singing. Just like for, especially for like introverted people, there's nothing harder than opening your mouth and beginning. And it was always the fear is today the day they're going to throw a shoe at my head. Someone did yell at me out of a window once in Italian. It's like, gang, stop. Ah, all I hear is, ah, like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> but by then I had been doing it so long I was just like yeah okay I'll go somewhere else there's lots of streets that this is so many I mean I'm certain the people listening are like creating the metaphors in their own minds if we're talking about social media and showing up and opening your mouth and subjecting yourself to potential uh, scrutiny and feedback from people and then at some point it happens but you're also like okay Okay, it happened. Okay. I'm gonna. I have to keep going and doing this, and it is what it is. And I, I will keep moving forward. This is. I had no idea that you did this. This is. <laughs> why did you stop? Because because of the modeling job came along, or like what happened? I actually went to look for the modeling job because it did get really hard um, to like walk. I was in. By the time I ended, I was in Florence, Italy, where I totally ran out of money. So like, all right, I guess we stay here for a while. 
<laughs> and I would walk into the city center, which is like a mile, and like find an alleyway to sit in, see how that went for a while, go somewhere else. And I'm not trained or anything, so my voice would get tired. Yeah. And uh, it just it became really hard. I'm like, okay, this is hard now. Yeah. I think I've learned what I need to learn. Um, I'm sure I could learn more, but I'd like to try something else, maybe have a little more ease. So Love that's it. when I found the thingy, the modeling thing. The thingy. The, the thingy. thingy. Mm -hmm. Okay. How was that? Um, that was great. Uh, it's really painful to stand still. I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Like, I'm mm -hmm. a lifelong dancer, so I was all cocky about it. I'm like, I'm going to be great at this. It's going to be amazing. By the end of the first day, it was like three hours of standing still with a break halfway no. through. I'm like, oh my God, nope. I want to kill all of these artists. No, no, my knees are broken just thinking about that. <laughs> no, it's like, no for me. Your body goes numb in parts, but it was really rewarding. Um, and it was, it took care of me for the time that I did it. All right. How did you bring in, so what did you go to school for? And ultimately, like your artistry, how did you bring that into what you did, what you were doing? Oh, that's a good question. So, and I came home. Uh, from my travels, and I had made damn sure there was nothing waiting for me. I mean, like, my family was there, but no prospects or anything, and I did it that way on purpose because I didn't know how long I was going to be gone. Love it. And the reason I went home is because, like, this has been amazing, but I think I'm ready for something else. I still want to travel, but I want to be paid to travel. Mm -hmm. uh, I want a career. Like, I want something mm -hmm. to be driving me other than just, like, following my pants in the wind, yeah. which was what I was doing. I went to school for, I have a degree in creative writing and a minor in dance. The minor was way harder to get, in my opinion. Huh. But I was like, okay, I got nothing to do. What do I want to do? What's the coolest thing I can think of? Like, I saw a clip of Cirque du Soleil when I was a youngster and I was like, yeah, I'm way too old for that. I was like 18 at the time. I know. I was like, wait, but like you were right. still really young. <laughs> yes. And I just changed my mind when I turned 25. Like, well, we'll give it a shot in the dark. I like <laughs> So I, uh, I worked for my dad. at uh, My dad's a chiropractor in Louisiana. And I ran his office and I wrote SEO online, saved up some money, moved to San Francisco and went to the circus center there. Uh, and that was my that was my intro into the circus arts, which snowballed into performance art and everything else that I've done. And that's how that happened. So if we back it up a second and we talk about your major uh, with creative writing and dance, can you talk about a little bit, perhaps what did you envision yourself or maybe you didn't uh, have a particular like path that you were going to utilize with that and then second question yes i'm being a bad host asking two questions so one potential vision for the the major and the, the minor and then anything that you learned from that skill set that you took that you kind of bring into the things that you teach now uh, getting a major in creative writing uh, was kind of an accident i was an art major at first but I was like, oh, God, I don't want to do this all the time. This is like, mm. uh, And I loved writing. It's always the first thing that I ever fell in love with doing. Uh, one of the only things I, like, actually have some talent at. Uh, and one of my friends was like, what are you doing? You just be a writer. I'm like, finish your degree. Get, get a writing degree. I'm like, okay. And what I learned from creative writing was that, uh, one, how to act like you know what you're doing. I like, like it. Uh, because so much of a college education, um, at least in my experience at a liberal arts college, was like the certificate means I can withstand the rigors of a formal yes. education. Yes. Uh, not necessarily anything else. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Didn't teach me how yes. to do my taxes or anything. <laughs> that came way later. Didn't teach me shit about taxes. So yes. Right. I've already forgotten your second question. Second question was, uh, you actually answered both. Was oh. there, you want to relate that to, the first question was, what like was the vision in both the major and the minor? 
And then the second question was like lessons that you've learned and you said it for writing, creative writing. What about with dance? Did you have a vision with that? You just enjoyed it. And then things you learned that maybe you're utilizing now. It's something, you know, I, I worked with, um, a ballet dancer in San Francisco a few years ago. And I think he was in his late forties and he said it best. He's like, ballet's just got me by the balls. It's not going to let go. And I was like, I know how you feel. Like something just gets inside you. And you're like, my life isn't going to be complete without artistic movement. It's just so much a part of me. So there was no plan for the future. I was like, someday I'll be a writer. I'll write books. I'm like, cool. But that's not really a plan. That's a aspiration mm-hmm. more than anything. Yeah. So as far this as is. like, what did, what did I want to do with my life? I had no idea. I did not know. I like it. Which seems like that has, let me actually phrase it as a question. Was that okay for you? Or did that produce any kind of feelings as not knowing what you wanted to do? I preferred it. Uh, but I had never experienced the alternative until yeah. I realized for I sure. wanted to travel. So maybe that's actually really important because once I realized how deeply I wanted to just travel with no plan, that became like the once and future goal. And it was, I have a, a high propensity for tunnel vision. So yes. it works out. Seems once like once I you decide, it. you're like, this is it. We're going. So yeah. then we have a little bit of background here in terms of like kind of the logistics, the timelines of things. And then you slid in that you had seen Cirque stuff when you were younger and then you decided when you're 25, like, actually, I'm going to go after this. What was that? What was that decision? I remember sitting like, in... I do it? Uh, pretty much. I, I was sitting in my mom's house. I'm like, okay, I'm in my mom's house. I don't want to live with my parents. Like, I'm 25. I want to go out into the world. Uh, but I need... You know, thing to work towards and something just swelled up in the back of my head I was like remember that really cool thing that made you cry when you saw it the first time like yeah but I can't do that like or maybe that's not true maybe I any any times like oh I couldn't possibly is a very good opportunity to take a closer look like but could you possibly oh I couldn't possibly but you could, actually. You could possibly. That's happened quite a few times. I imagine this is something that comes up a ton with the people that you work with and in your line of work and people have an idea or thought and remember that thing or like that thing that lit me up, but I couldn't actually do it. All what the do time. you usually say to them? Well, I ask them their reasons because uh, first we identify, um, I call them gremlins. That's kind of a word that my mentor, Chantal McCormick, uh, nailed down. Like, what are the gremlins? Let's see what we're working with. Let's see what the landscape is that you're operating in. Like, usually like, well, I'm I'm too old. It's too saturated. Um, I'm too this, I'm too that, or I'm not enough of this or that. Like, oh, yeah, all of those are gremlins and they should be acknowledged and then disregarded. Like, thank them for their contribution and invite them to sit in the back seat. Gremlins don't make good co-pilots. Like, they're liars, essentially. Like, I wasn't too old. I wasn't too old. Uh, I'm still not too old. They're not true. They're just, that's what makes them gremlins. They're just trying to keep you safe and small. And they do a really good job. So that's why getting to know them is, like, a really important part to me of the process of getting to where you want to go. What are the gremlins so that we can gently refocus onto the value system? Much better co-pilot. I love this. I love this. Uh, you did a reel about this. Like you were acting out the parts and I was like, this is the best. And I want more of these. Like this is phenomenal. So we got step one. We're identifying the gremlins. Step two, we're kind of redirecting with from a values-based lens. What is the what is the actuality? What is the reality of people that going through? It sounds great in theory, I guess. I'm fully fucking on board with all of this. <laughs> what is the experience that the people that you're coaching? What do they go through with that? They just are like, yeah, I'm gonna do it, and then I did it, and then it's done, or what? Yeah, it's often a lot messier than that. You know, 
sometimes things are really deep in the psychology of a person, you know, so that's what, that's what I'm there for. Like talk through it with them, find out, like follow the rabbit hole, find out where does this belief come from? And then it's, it's usually really clear that it's not in line with their value system and they don't believe it at all. It's just like conditioning that they've Mm -hmm. taken on to themselves from an outside source. Uh, It's like being self-loathing is never natural. No, Mm -hmm. no toddler thinks anything Mm -hmm. except like I'm the best toddler there's ever been. That's that's our natural state is like self-possession. But that gets kind of covered up by other things. So we just need to like uncover those things. And sometimes it's a quick process and uh, sometimes it's not. But it always did goes you, Did you, you've kind of spoken a little bit about it in terms of the beliefs that you held around Cirque and doing, like being too old, but did you face this a lot or is this something that you, have you had to deal with this as much as perhaps you think you've seen other people have to deal with the gremlins? Yeah, I mean, I, I have... A lot of personal experience with gremlins, even when I was still in North Carolina at my mom's house and I called the circus center in San Francisco and talked to the receptionist. And I'm like, I want to inquire about learning to be an aerialist. And she's like, okay. I'm like, I think I'm too old though. She's like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 25. And she's like, I started when I was 30. I was like, damn. I call the right <laughs> receptionist. Exactly, right? Look at that. Universe conspires. Look at that. You get like the 20-year-old the that answers and they're like, ah, yeah, you're right. Uh. Yeah. And imposter syndrome is like a major, major gremlin that wears many different faces. And that's the one I tend to focus on the most just because it's so prevalent. Yes. It's so common. Yes. yes. What can you share with us about that? That is like a huge thing that comes up. Mm. Over and over and over again. I have many thoughts in it. I also don't really love talking about it, but I love having people on that like to address it. And this is their thing. This is their shit. I'm passing you the mic. What do you want to say about it? All right. The truth about imposter syndrome is that if you Google how to get over imposter syndrome, you will find the worst trash available to you on the inner tubes. It's just, there's so much bad advice. Uh, So I like amassed my three favorite bad advices and I have alternatives to all of them. (laughs) What? I love this. Uh, One of them like is like positive affirmations. I'm not dogging on positive affirmations. I think they can be a really useful, powerful tool, but consider that since imposter syndrome isn't a natural state, right? It's the result of conditioning, societal conditioning, sometimes hundreds of years, sometimes billions of dollars that have been spent to make sure Mm -hmm. you feel like shit so that you just remain small, convenient, and consuming. Maybe just saying, I can do whatever I put my mind to isn't going to be robust enough to counteract that. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Uh, Yeah. Um, you'll have to Small, give me convenient and consuming. I like that. <laughs> I mean, I don't like that, but it really encapsulates the marketing efforts. Right. Very well. Yeah. And it, it's true. You can see it happening all around you. So all the time. Yeah. Like perhaps that's had an effect on us. Of course it has. Of course it has. So instead of positive affirmations, uh, Something a little bit more robust to me is to tap into a very robust emotion. And, um, you know, joy is a robust emotion, but a lot of people aren't very in touch with their joy. Yeah. You know, they're, they're more in touch with their insecurities, with their fears. Uh, so um, an, an emotion that I think is extremely robust is anger. And I think that anger is a great way to burn through imposter syndrome. It's like uh, when my mom was like, sorry, honey, that's the way it is. Love you, mama. You're Mm -hmm. a wonderful mom. Uh, But when she said that, like, I got mad, not at her. It's just like, no, I Mm -hmm. am not going to take that lying down. Because anger is such a useful tool. 
And a lot of people, particularly if you're socialized as a girl, um, mm-hmm. are taught not to be angry. And that becomes a real roadblock for us. But being able to access your anger, since an anger arises when we perceive a violation of our value system. So anytime you're angry, you're also loving. Like you're being loving towards mm-hmm. the thing that you value that lights you up. So anger is a great compass that can point you towards what you truly value. And it's also like, it's just, it's a good fire to burn through the bullshit. I love that. Do you watch the Stranger Things? Twice. I mean, did you you like cheer from the rooftops when the dude was like, tap into anger? Yes, I did. That weird dude? (laughs) I was like, one. It's going to work now. (laughs) yes i did it's gonna work (laughs) she's got it (laughs) i love this i love this tap into a more robust emotion which is anger love that kind of duality that you introduced there with that we experience it in response to violation a violation of our values which the flip side then is that we're being loving towards our value system and it helps right. us identify it North Star. That's phenomenal, Rachel. I, I love I love it because then I was like, once I kind of put that together for myself, I'm like, I get to be angry as often as I like. And that was kind of important personally for me. Um, so another piece of terrible advice uh, that people give about imposter syndrome is to list out your accomplishments. And that is actually like, it can be a nice Band-Aid for a couple of minutes. But again, like, is it sturdy enough uh, to work mm-hmm. out for you? Because like, Not robust. let's look at history. Let's take Maya Angelou, one of the most beloved authors of our time, uh, who was, uh, who confessed like she experienced imposter syndrome. And other names that I've read about, uh, Meryl Streep, Jud- Jodie Foster, you know, iconic people. So mm-hmm. if Maya Angelou, who wrote, a bajillion books and was widely loved can't look at her resume and be like all right i've done i've done mm-hmm. some good shit then it's okay that we absolutely yeah <laughs> feel the same way so as an alternative to listing out your accomplishments to remember how awesome you are uh is to seek out rejection and to totally just reframe your relationship with rejection and one of my alumni, uh, uh, Marta Brown, uh, she's a circus artist in Las Vegas, and she came up with the idea of a rejection uh, punch card. She's like, okay, I'm going to go out. I'm going to get 10 rejections. And each rejection, I'm going to punch this card. And when I get 10, I get a massage or I get like a nice dinner out at my favorite restaurant or something. Mm-hmm. And the magic of it was that like she would get excited to punch the card. Yes. She's like, awesome. Totally. I got a rejection. Also, it it was like harder than she thought it would be to get to 10 rejections because people started saying yes. And she's like, man, I really wanted that massage, but sure, <laughs> I'll take the job. Ah. ah, look at that. This rejection's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to yeah. happen. But we get to decide. It's like a rejection is really evidence of your love and effort. It's kind of a wonderful thing. You know, writers are famous for the little rejection slips that well now they can by email but you just like stack them on a nail until they were really thick and then you just beam at pride when you look at them say more about that it's the signs of your maybe the word wasn't signs but your love and your effort rejections well, as a manifestation of that because like beginning is so hard Like we said, the hardest thing is like opening your mouth and beginning to speak. It's easy to continue to speak, but like beginning is hard. So if you, if you suspend your disbelief, you quiet down the gremlins, you focus on your value system and you actually make the effort to apply to an opportunity or to appeal uh, to some experience that you want to have, that's already a victory uh, because that's the hardest part. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love this. So 
rejection happening has rejection always has to happen second. It doesn't happen first. You have to do something and then you get the rejection, which means that you've overcome the activation energy. You've done this the first step. You've done actually the mm -hmm. hardest step. Mm -hmm. We could celebrate this. We're marking it now with the rejection, but if we reframe that, like you said, it is the signs of your your love and your effort for mm -hmm. this thing. That's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, Rachel. It's phenomenal. You should be celebrated for your failures. You're learning something is, every time. So it's phenomenal. What <laughs> else you got? Give me more. Give me a third one. All right. I've got the third piece of uh, bad advice. And this is actually the worst one is don't compare yourself to other people because it's like literally hardwired hard in yes, our brains our, to do this. Our brain. Like you were just talking about it's this, what, a, a week or two ago. Uh, it's like, advice. good luck denying your basic human impulses like and then you beat yourself up because oh i'm comparing myself again <laughs> of course you are you're made to do that you're supposed to be doing that <laughs> it's like how you su survive so that's truly unactionable advice um and my uh, counterpoint to that is to become curious about how you feel about other people particularly surrounding envy I think envy is another very robust feeling that's easy to identify and is a great compass because if you're envious yeah. of someone like get curious about that envy why yes. what what is it that what experience are they having what are they allowing themselves what do they signify that you want for yourself points you right back to the value system it's like a an awesome built-in shortcut it is so good. I'm writing all these things down. Yay. It's like a good host. So the only way I can give it back to you is I'm like, there's a lot of words that are in my head right now. <laughs> uh, That's why I don't like lose where I'm at. But I'll put it back to you. I love this. And it has a very James Olivia inquisitive human flair to it. I absolutely. Oh, what an honor. absolutely love that. Thank you. Love that. In my mind, I'm like, I need to make sure that they, that you and James Olivia are in communication because y'all will get along. Are you are you already in communication? I follow them? them on Instagram, but I I think I haven't reached out to them, and I will correct that because I didn't actually realize that I hadn't. <laughs> like uh, amazing, and I <laughs> uh, I am also just going to take it upon myself if you'd like to make a formal connection because. Y'all are both really dope. And I'd be delighted. Yes. Delighted. The world's going to explode when that happens. <laughs> Audacity and disobedience meet, and uh, it's going to be great. So, yes, yes. So that third one being get curious about your envy. Love mm -hmm. that. These are the envy points back to it your values. to what you want. What is it? Yeah. Knowing what you want is hard. Like, for a lot of people, they get stuck at that at that step. They're like, just go for what you want. But if you don't know what that is, you don't know. It's so true. How do you take so, a step, dude? Rachel is so so true, and I love that you brought it before about like being socialized female and the, the many things that come along with that. And the more that I start, to, you know, speaking about joy and what you want to what you want to do, living your best life the more people that I meet that are just like, I've never been asked that question. I've never had time to actually think about it. I've never been told it's okay to think about it. So I don't know. I have <laughs> right. no fucking clue. I didn't see oh that God. at the buffet. Like, right? <laughs> like, oh. oh. What do you say to folks who say that? And they're like, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want. I don't even know where to start. But I'm coming to you because I know I want something. But I don't know what, where, how, what, anything. Yeah, that's one of the like prerequisites to take the Audacity Project is you have to want. Like you have to have desire. Yes. Without desire, yes. I am useless as a coach. 100%. Uh, need the desire. So if someone has desire, they can tell me about it. It usually means several different things and that what they really need to do is choose a focus. And choosing a focus is hard because people don't want to feel like they're boxed in. Like, if I choose this, it means I'm not choosing that. Um, it's the same reason that artists don't like talking about their work. Uh, they don't like introducing themselves as a certain thing because they want the the option to be considered of all things, uh, which is, you know, true. 
but it it doesn't work great. I know I'm getting off on a little bit of a tangent, but no, no, if go, you, go, go, because I'm going to ask you anyway. Go. Okay. <laughs> if you can't talk clearly uh, and like clear clarity, not cleverly, mm-hmm. clear about what it is that you do, then people can't understand. And so it's kind of like we just have to accept the fact that we cannot control how other people perceive us, but at least communicate clearly what we have to offer so that anyone who could be benefited by us will actually understand what we're talking about. (laughs) It's so good. It's so... So good. We know we're all connected. We're all saying the same thing. We're applying it to different things, but it's so good. You know, confirmation bias is one of my favorite things. And to hear that and hear you speak about it in terms of your audience and the people who you serve, it's applicable across the board. If we, if we take this episode back to, you know, the original reason and and social media and stuff. And that's one of the hugest things we see where people don't want to niche, niche down, whatever you want to call it. They don't want to speak clearly about a single thing because they want to consider all the things or they want people to consider them in relation to all the things. And they're like, but, and then in not being willing to, and I get it. I get it folks. I'm there too. I was there too. In not wanting to speak about the singular things, speak clearly about the singular thing then they, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. No, no one can understand it. There's no opportunity for people to understand and like dig their teeth into it and be like, oh, okay. And then get to dig deeper and see them as more than that thing. But then opportunity never presents itself. So what do you do with, with these folks? How do you, we're not convincing anyone, but what's the next <laughs> thing you talk about with them? Uh, well, if they have like a, a variety of uh, desires and they don't want to, they don't want to choose because they don't want to focus, uh, i I do something with them that I call the game. Here's how you play the game. It's very, very easy. Close your eyes and you imagine that your life is over. It just like ended suddenly and painlessly and you're still aware of your human life and you think to all the things you made, left unmade, the things that you wanted to do, didn't do. One of those things, when you think about it, is going to hurt like someone stabbed you in the solar plexus with a spear could you live with yourself if you didn't do that thing and that's the thing you should do i played this game with a a room full of retired women once they didn't they didn't appreciate because i don't know i was like rachel that's dangerous (laughs) it worked for like a couple and they came up and thanked me afterwards but that's when i realized like i i talk to creative people like, not that retired people aren't creative. They totally are. But that's not why we were gathered in the room together. Um, so, like, okay. Niche. Niche. This is... I love... And this ties into your three steps, three things for imposter syndrome. Uh, overcoming, addressing imposter syndrome. And that you went after that robust emotion of anger. Because I think that... Close your eyes and you do a drill like that. I think everyone, at least what I thought you were going to say is like, what's the thing that like lights you up or made you so happy or like the thing that you're like, I want that more of that. Go after that. And you're like, no, we're going after the robust emotion of tied into anger. Yes, that. You can feel that. Go do that. Fear of regret is a great motivator. That is Uh, awesome. It's worked for me at least. Over I mean, that's the nervous system one will run, right? Like we are far more likely to move away from pain than we are to move towards pleasure. They're both mm-hmm. drawing factors. Absolutely. But if given they were like, pick, you're like, I'm moving away from pain. I don't want this. I, mm-hmm. I know that viscerally. as opposed to like, oh, I'll move closer towards the joy. And you're like, oh, I'm good, actually. I'm fine. <laughs> I'll yeah. just stay here. Yeah. Good. It's pretty okay here. Amazing. So you do... Someone's coming in, they are, are hesitant to focus. You play the game, mm-hmm. and then what? Uh, usually they get a pretty clear answer for that, but if they let themselves think about it too, I get like so many hyper-intelligent people that come through my doors, and uh, they like, have like amazing computer brains that just attack something and look at it from every angle, 
And yeah, it's like if we're in a video call, I can see them. And it was like it might have been mm-hmm. there, but then you start second guessing it and overthinking it. And we're like, oh, you're in your head. You're in your head. You're like, so if you're in your head, where's the other place that you can be to try and get an answer? In the body. Like body wisdom. Like the body always knows the truth. Like always. Hanging out with someone that seems legit, totally cool, but you just don't want mm-hmm. to sit next to them. Trust it. No. You know. Fucking no. <laughs> Why fight it? <laughs> and, and embodiment of like which direction do you want to move in can take different forms, but in general, I tell people that if you consider a thing and you imagine yourself doing it and like your chest gets really tight and you feel like a shrinking sensation, that's probably a no from your body, but like an expansive sensation or a a warmth and an opening in the chest in particular and a sense of relief is a yes. Yes. Not an exact science, of course, but usually we can get somewhere with that get out of the head ah that's so good (laughs) so good so we stick along we stick around too long thinking about it the gremlins start popping up and we can look to thwart them by getting back into your body body knows the body the wisdom of the body 100 percent people still push back after that not usually one of those one of those two things usually like opens the you know, opens the slide. I was going to say shoot. I like it. <laughs> I, I mean, like that. <laughs> both work. Yes. So. Yes. Yes. And this makes sense. In the context of what Rachel's talking about, if someone's coming to you, ideally, especially you've been in the game so long, people, you have a reputation. People are coming to you because they want a specific solution. They want, yeah. ultimately, they want to be moved forward with something. So I can't foresee that there would be like this constant pushback. Like at some point, they're going to be like, yes, this is this is the reason I came to you, actually, was to help me move forward yeah. with this and kind of, most of dive into this. Most of the time. And if we were truly, are the slides like not getting cleared out, like, well, here's the situation. You get to pick. And since everything is an experiment, choose. And if you don't like the way the experiment ends up, you get to choose something else. So at the end of the day, it's just a choice. You know, what are we doing here? I love, I love this. Rachel, what happens after we choose? And then we, we're, we focus we, or we've chosen we're going down this path and because the gremlins always keep coming back in right one way or another these these road gremlins or roadblocks we want to call them Mm -hmm. they can pop up and i i would love to talk about it in terms of now i'm doing the work now i'm actually creating i'm building i'm doing this thing i have these things coming up oh i'm not good enough or suppose no one likes it Mm mm-hmm but the flip side, and you kind of spoke about this before, of like, I have this thing in me that just needs to get out, but I'm battling, but suppose no one likes it. How do you work through that with people or on that? I appeal to their sense of mortality. <laughs> Again, mm. I guess that's like a common Damn. approach so of mine. <laughs> like the price for not doing it is so much dearer than the price of doing it and getting like crickets. Or, or worse, getting criticized. But also, yeah. like, if everybody loves what you're doing, you're probably not taking enough risks. Like, uh, I remember in, in college, my dance teacher was like, someone in the audience should hate what you're doing. Like, if everybody loves it, you're not trying. Like, you're not taking enough risks. You're playing it safe. And I always kind of love. Tell me that. more about that because I hear it a lot, and I'm always like, I don't know if I'm fully bought into that. But let me bring an artist on so you can fucking set it straight. <laughs> for me. Like, what does that mean? And I'm like, that sounds great. Everybody likes it. Like, all right. Why do they hate it? Or like, what does that mean? You're not digging deep enough. Well, I just feel like the more we create and the more reps we put in, the more we begin to trust our instincts and to trust our own interest. Like. I'm going to make this piece of work because this is fascinating to me. And you really start to lean into those things. And that's necessarily going to turn some people off. 
because only very general things are universally appealing. Actually, nothing is universally appealing. Like, not even daylight. Some people are nocturnal. Isn't that wild? So, so wild. You think we could agree on one thing. But I'm going to say no. Ah, no. No. We're not going to agree. So if someone, like, strongly hates what you're doing, one, it's more about them than it is about you. But that Mm -hmm. means you had the courage to go all in and give your vision everything that you could to do something that you found fascinating. So good. And the focus in creating, though, is to be... Because some people are so fucking contrarian, and I I hate that. (laughs) The focus, the focal point, the goal, then, kind of like, this is a question, in creating is more you. It's to lean into this. It's to show up fully. The goal is not to have someone be annoyed. That's like a byproduct or have someone be, you know, hated. It's a byproduct of you showing up in your entirety. Yeah. This is like the same way as you can take rejection and just flip it on its head. You're like, this is actually a symbol of my love and effort where if somebody criticizes your work, that can feel terrible. But if you view it as like, I took enough risks that someone disagreed with what I put forward, like that's a victory, something to be celebrated. Not because they're unhappy, but because you did yes. you. That. I think that. it's really important that you point that out, Rachel, because, you know, I think the majority of people in my audience, the people that are going to be listening to this, like, they're kind people. They are service-oriented people. They, you know, want to be liked. They're not trying to, like, stir the pot. And even if you may understand or, like, think about this reframe, to hear someone say it and articulate it the way that you did, and to highlight it as a um, manifestation, a, a realization of your effort, of your love for this thing and for the thing that you're doing hmm. is huge because it's so easy, right? We're loss of our species. It's so easy for us to you know, lean into that negativity bias and be like, just focusing on that person, the, the fact that that person didn't like it or they had an unpleasant experience or like what it says about us and kind of ignoring what it says about us and that it shows how much we our love for this thing, for our values, how committed we are to it, how committed we are to ourselves. And that's, exactly. that's a really cool reframe. That's a really, that is a really fucking cool reframe. <laughs> it's, it's been so cool speaking about this. Right? Whenever I come on, whenever, whenever I bring someone on, like I have an idea of, I know why I'm bringing them on. I don't necessarily know how we're going to get to the end point and how mm-hmm. the, the point will come across, but I'm like, it will. I, I know that it will. And it's been fascinating to hear you answer exactly the questions that I had and say, uh, provide frameworks and provide just different ways of looking at it and provide actionable steps for doing the thing. And in the face of Instagram changing and like, I only want to put stuff out. I'm worried. No one's going to say anything. I love that crickets are, uh, and you know, what's even worse criticism. Like that was actually like, wow. I was like, wow, that was a really clever line there. Write that one down. That was really good. And all of that, and leaning into this process, Rachel. If if I was going to ask you to summarize, uh, you know, you're seeing it as well, right? You don't seem to care. Uh, you show up however you want to be showing up. But when it comes Correct. to creating, when it comes to putting work out there, and if we make it specific in this case to social media, mm-hmm. what advice would you give people? I got caught up in the question. And then I lost something vital. Will, will you repeat the question again for yeah. me? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Absolutely. If we take everything that you've learned, or we can't even scratch that part because it's, I was going to say everything you've told us thus far because the answer is already there. But if I, you're going to summarize, hmm. what would you suggest to people when it comes to creating for social media? Because we know people are like, I don't want to do this because I only want to do it if I'm going to get applause or like, mm. why should I do it? No one's going to see it. Or I'm worried I'm going to get crickets or I've been trying, but like no one's saying anything. What do you right. say? Uh, social media can be a, a devastating, destructive role in someone's life. It also can be a source of connection, friendship, money, art, wisdom, and that is our choice to make. Like, You don't have to use it. You really don't. 
you only have to use it if you want to benefit from it. (laughs) If you want to benefit from it, yeah, you have to use it, but you get to decide how you interact (laughs) with that. You know, like you said, like curate your, your feed, curate who like gets access to you and how you interact there because that experience is yours to make a choice with. Uh, And it's really, it really is deceptively simple to just decide. Like I have decided Instagram is going to be where I meet cool people, have fun conversations and share myself without attachment to the outcome because there's nothing you can do about the outcome. Like all you can do is show up and put your stuff out there. And then it's just being stubborn. <laughs> I like, love it. Someone's going to say something contrarian sometimes. Like, how are you going to respond to that? Gonna happen. Probably not. Why? I love that. <laughs> why? That's my favorite. Answer. Probably not. That's how I'm going to respond. Probably not. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite. Yes. 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 And I love what you teach as well about like that it's a form posting is a form of self-knowledge. I thought that was so brilliant. Mm -hmm. Like what a thing to point out the the more you share, the more you want to share and you get, you get braver and you experiment with more things and whatever happens on the other side of that, it's going to happen, but it's sharing you, your life, your life has value. You have value good i got like i don't know maybe two more questions and i'll let you go but i want to tie into what you just said how does that approach tie into tie in for i should say you personally when you are creating and not fucking instagram Mm. but like you're putting together a piece Mm. how does all of this play in is the need for applause there or the desire for applause are you able to separate yourself detach yourself from the outcome or like the audience outcome what what is it like for you um i have a pretty thick skin and the reason that i do i'm i mean i'm super squishy sensitive but also i i'm very aware of uh the creators need to take possession of the process as when we first begin to make a piece of work or something and maybe we get like the next two inches in and we're like I got something today and you want to share it right away you want to show it to someone and you're excited you know and then like if you show it to the wrong person and you don't mm. kind of dictate the terms mm. of that interaction <laughs> it can throw a big bucket of water on the fire and that's just a real shame so knowing when it's time to show up and like ask and also knowing that you get to dictate those terms. Like uh, I have a triple chat with two of my good friends, Janelle and Kat. And every time we post something, we're like, I'm excited. I just need validation. No critique, please. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like, Or I don't need you to say anything. I just wanted to share it with you. Like you, you can dictate those terms. I'm writing that down because you did a reel about this and I thought it was phenomenal. Clearly I stalk you and your gold stuff, but uh, yeah, you did a reel about that. And I was like, it's so, so good. The, the dictate, the conditions and ask for what you want. Like that mm-hmm. is, and I'm definitely introducing you to James Olivia. Cause this is like y'all besties. Awesome. Besties. So, 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 so good. Be delighted. So you are <laughs> squishy, but thick skinned. And asking for what you want, setting the parameters and being, you know, tender and gentle with your new creations and mm-hmm. knowing where to be going first with it. Because I've seen this many times and there isn't a question asked first. And oftentimes it's just a product launched before anything happens and then it doesn't do well and that person is fucking crushed. Yeah, There's like a lot of steps that are skipped it's like i have excitement about this thing and then i'm just gonna make it and everyone else is gonna have excitement and then they don't and then it doesn't get you know no one buys the thing and then it's it's very 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 devastating for people it's such such a heartache yeah yeah it does it does happen it does it does so from your creative process is there anything else in there 
that you would yeah. recommend? Uh, I always remember this parable of like um, the parable of the jar or something. And it's like a pottery class. I have no idea where this came from. I apologize to whoever told me this for not crediting you. But the pottery class is divided into two groups. The professor says to group A, at the end of the semester, I want you to make one perfect pot, jar, whatever. And to the other group, he's like, make 100 jars. Which one ends up with the better results? 100 jars. Because you learn so much more. Like, it, it feels really personal, especially as an artist, because it's just like, this is my lifeblood out in front of the room you are rejecting me as a person but no like sometimes people just aren't gonna like your work or they're not into it at that moment and the timing's not right or whatever that's okay make more work make all of the work and don't pander that's one thing i really wanted to say i do not believe in pandering it drives me crazy i can't <laughs> i cannot support Give it, it i cannot me. encourage ah. it uh and I, not even because it doesn't work, because sometimes it does work, and that's even worse. Oh, yeah. That's the worst, because then you get that positive reinforcement of that shit, and you keep doing it. You keep doing it, and then 10 years have gone by, and you're like, man, I wish I knew what would have happened if I had done what I wanted to do. That. Oh, that. Oh, that. That. Yes. <laughs> yes. I feel Many that one. a cautionary tale on socials <laughs> that you can see you because you can visibly. It's just like a such a physical representation of it, and you can see, and you're like, you are so unhappy that you built this massive thing, and it's not <sighs> you, and it's not your values, and it's not what you care about, and now you're mad at us. Yeah, and you're yelling at your audience. Ouchie. Yeah. Ouchie, dude. Yeah. That's that sucks. Yeah. Ah, don't pander. I love it, dude. Rachel, uh, before I forget. <laughs> If the folks want to find you, if they want to apply for Audacity project, if they want to, how do they how do they find you? What are the, what's the contact information? Give me all I'm, of it. I'm super easy to find. Uh, my website super is rachelstricklandcreative.com. Uh, you can also just type in rachelstrickland.com because I own that too, and it goes to the same place. Yeah, buddy. And you can learn about like the different ways of working with me if you're interested, or if you want to see like my brain creations. Um, they're on there too. And I'm on the Instagrams as Rachel Strickland creative. It's also my email address. I did that on purpose. Rachel at Rachel Strickland creative.com. You actually respond to emails. You're good with email. I love email. God bless you. <laughs> I'm like, I, I you know, ever. I'm a writer. So before Fair. I learned how to Fair. talk, I was better at <laughs> expressing myself with the word very very fair and uh you got a patreon as well right? i do patreon.com slash rachel strickland creative and that is where I, the content that i put on patreon doesn't go anywhere else like 99 percent of it uh, is it's only on the patreon and i you know a trigger warning for nightmare fodder and tmi because i just uh that's where i can share with no limitations and uh, I take advantage of that as often as possible. Thank you for asking. So good. Yeah, dude, thank you for creating. That's fucking awesome. We will, of course, and by we, I mean my awesome editor, Courtney, will put all of that in the show notes, folks, so you can check all of the things out. I got one more question for you, mm -hmm. Rachel, and then I'll let you go. Okay. Uh, I ask this for everybody. Is there anything, and you're welcome to say no, uh, is there anything that you would like to leave the people with? Anything that you want to reiterate? Anything that you didn't say yet? Anything. My wish for like my audacious people and for all of you is that you are so in love with what you're doing that it doesn't even matter. Like the critiques come in. The haters come in, haters gonna hate whatever. But like you look at it and you're like, this is good. I love this. I made this. This is fantastic because I made it and I listened to myself and I was honest. That's my hope is to be in love with in love with your work. It's so good. I just bang the desk, you can hear that. <laughs> 
this whole reason I put suspended the mic, but so good. This entire episode, Rachel, so good. You answered the questions and the questions I didn't have and gave us frameworks and gave us steps. And, you know, it's never my goal to like spoon feed people or tell them how to interpret something. And so I love the way that you shared everything. And I think that there's something in this episode for everyone, even for folks that were like, oh, I thought I was all good with all this stuff. And like, now I'm even better. And I have words for this. And now I can lean into more robust feelings. And if I can be like 11, like, this is awesome. (laughs) That's really cool. I'm like, I feel hella powerful now. That's awesome. Hella powerful. You are. This is amazing. (laughs) Just incredibly grateful for you taking the time. You set this shit up so fast. Like, You've been so generous with your time, generous with your expertise and your experience and just your words and everything. So thank you. This was this was a dope episode. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much. This was so much fun. I don't think like I didn't even notice an hour had passed by. Just right? living my best life really over one. here. <laughs> thank you for the opportunity. In the cave. <laughs> you are so 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 welcome this fucking good episode you folks listening thank you we know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us and for that we are both endlessly endlessly appreciative my ask for today there she is is if you like this episode if you love this episode if you're picking up what we're putting down do me a solid and share it with somebody who you think might enjoy it that's it that's all i'm gonna ask All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Rachel and Maestro. Bye.